everyone, welcome to the newest episode of our Mainline Podcast. I am back with Northern Provisions, and today we are talking about some recent allegations that were made against U.S. President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. A couple quick notes before we get started. I mentioned later on in the podcast about Upton Sinclair running for president from prison. That actually was not Upton Sinclair. That was Eugene Debs in the early 1900s. And then the second note... In this episode, we talk about uh, an investigation into Hunter Biden by uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss. That investigation is still ongoing, but we do have an update. Uh, Hunter Biden will be charged with two counts in relation to tax evasion and then one count in relation to lying on a federal form uh, when he purchased a handgun and he will plead guilty to those three charges and and he's likely to get some sort of a deal that a judge still has to sign off on so just a quick date, update on that that just recently came out within the past couple days after we recorded this also this podcast and all of our other podcasts are part of northern provisions llc check out the lethal minds journal a veteran and active duty publication focusing on foreign and military affairs, art, and culture. Take a look at the Journal's Bulletin from the Borderlands. That's a bi-weekly foreign affairs publication from multiple talented intelligence analysts and independent journalists. Head over to lethalmindsjournal.substack.com or Instagram at lethal.minds.journal to see more. Also, please consider supporting us at Patreon at patreon.com slash analyzeducate or you could buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash analyze educate. All the support you guys give us helps bring us closer to the goal of being able to do this full time. So we really appreciate all and any support you are able to give. And we'll head into the episode. Okay, I'm here again with Northern Provisions. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. I'm glad... uh... We could be back again. I know it's been a while. I had kind of a hectic semester with school, but I'm back. We're going to start knocking out more of these, hopefully. Um, ready, dude. Fucking went to the gym today, did shoulders. I got my my goat fuel energy drink, <laughs> and I'm ready to knock this thing out, dude. Let's go, man. It's time to put on the tinfoil. It's time to crack into a topic that a lot of our followers have talked about for over a year now um this is a main talking point when it comes to the opposition of supporting ukraine so we're going to get into it and we're going to make some people happy and probably piss off some other people yeah there's probably not going to be a lot of in between you're probably either going to really like this or really hate it yep yep i agree I agree. So this is interesting because um, this is really somewhat of a new development of an old issue. And that is the Biden family involvement with a Ukrainian gas company known as Burisma. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but... This kind of really started coming around into light in like 2016, right? So uh, I think I think the first time that I heard it for sure was in uh, 2019. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe this came to to light or was spoken about before that, but um, it really started, you know, coming into headlines in 2019 during Trump's first impeachment. Um, I mean, it really was central to right. to the whole impeachment right. because uh, basically what happens and, and we'll get into, you know, why all these things are connected later on. But basically what happened is uh, Trump got on the phone with uh, President Zelensky in uh, July 2019, and he basically froze just about four hundred million dollars worth of military aid to Ukraine um, and basically told Zelensky that he would unfreeze this aid if Zelensky opened an investigation into the Biden family and the role in Burisma Holdings, this this company you were talking about. And that's right. really when this whole thing started being talked about. And then after the impeachment, um, I mean, that was really kind of it, right? I mean, it's it's still been talked about in between then, but 
um you know it, it never really like got on the news um like it did in 2019 i mean really up until um a week ago when these these new allegations came to light right or maybe maybe not um, even new allegations so much as um but the allegations coming from a new source right because during that year right it was it was 2019 because uh i think it was like maybe even july june or july actually um because there was that there was a heavy involvement with the lieutenant colonel it was like an army lieutenant colonel alexander vinman i think yeah and uh he played like a heavy role essentially in testifying against donald trump if i remember that correctly he did yeah i think he testified um there was another woman i don't know if she she so much as testified against trump but just testified to the entire matter i think she was like some sort of advisor on russian affairs i don't she wasn't the ambassador to russia um her name escapes me some some british woman uh she was actually on what's his name's uh podcast man what is that guy the uh ukrainian he's like a mathematician um he has oh, like friedman. friedman yeah lex friedman she was on his podcast i want to say within the past month and that was actually a pretty interesting listen so if you guys are interested in that sort of thing i'd check it out but yeah she uh she had some pretty uh a pretty large role in um the impeachment as well yeah all very very fascinating things um and you know well well we'll just get into it because there's 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 gonna be a lot with this there's gonna be a lot yeah yeah and um i mean we'll go through this and uh we'll kind of explain some of the uh, you know, players and like organizations that are like tied up into these allegations. And some of it may seem like uh, irrelevant info, but it, it's just to kind of give you a picture of who these people are, um, you know, why they're so important, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Um, so last week, what what is it? It's June 14th right now that we're recording this. So last week, uh, there was an allegation that came to light that was embedded in an FBI document, and it claims that Joe Biden was involved in a bribery scheme with foreign nationals when he was the vice president under Barack Obama, specifically uh, in their second term. And this document was actually just shown to members of Congress um, after the FBI initially refused to do so when they were subpoenaed by Congress. Um, and the refusal of the FBI to... Uh, you know, produce this document after they were subpoenaed, prompted House Oversight Chairman James Comer to prepare proceedings to hold the FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress. And eventually Wray and Comer came to a deal in which the FBI would uh, show the Oversight Committee this document and then Comer would scrap the contempt proceedings. And this, this document has been tied to uh, an investigation of Joe Biden's son, Hunter, uh, by the Delaware U.S. attorney. His name is David Weiss. And that investigation began during the Trump administration in 2018. And it's actually still ongoing. It's been over five years. Um, and according to the document, this is an F, uh, FD-1023 document. And that document says that a paid confidential human source that the FBI has used multiple times told the Bureau that Joe Biden was paid $5 million by uh, an unnamed executive of Burisma Holdings, which is a Ukrainian national gas company. Uh, actually, more accurately, it is, it's a holdings company that, um, you know, has significant stakes in multiple other energy companies, right? Um, so it's, it's pretty large. And uh, Hunter sat on the board of Burisma during Biden's second term as VP. It was actually from 2015 to 2019, so bled into the, the uh, Trump administration as well. But this human source reportedly had multiple conversations with this <clears throat> unnamed Burisma executive beginning in 2015. The document that details these allegations, again, is an FD-1023. The FBI uses this to 
record unverified information, but it is worth noting that it is used to uh, record information from what they deem to be um, mostly reliable sources, right? But it, but again, simply recording information in one of these forms does not validate it, right? So this source claims that this Burisma executive had to, quote, pay the Bidens in order to enter the U.S. energy market, which they wanted to do at the time. And during this time, Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shoykin was investigating Burisma, and this executive specifically alleged that the investigation made entering the U.S. market difficult, and that sort of necessitated payment to members of the Biden family. Uh, and it is worth noting that when he was Vice President Biden actually bragged about withholding $1 billion in monetary aid to Ukraine until Shoykin was fired, which he actually was. And at an event for the Council on Foreign Relations in 2018, Biden admitted to doing such, and he said that uh, he told then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko, quote, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money, end quote. And Biden claims that he wanted Choikin fired because he was soft on corruption. Um, the EU kind of said the same thing, as well as the IMF and the World Bank. None of them really liked this guy. They all wanted him fired, right? Um, very controversial. And this confidential human source in the FD-1023, um, he has been used by the FBI since 2010 as uh, apparently a regular, quote, reliable source of information. <clears throat> and he's been paid roughly $200,000 by the FBI over the, the course of his time working with them. Hmm. I think it's also um, also important to note that, you know, Hunter Biden got this position at Burisma, you know, shortly thereafter from, uh, excuse me, shortly after the revolution in Ukraine mm -hmm. um, that essentially, you know, created that 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 rift in eastern Ukraine between Russian separatists and the new Ukrainian government. And it's also... I think somewhat relevant to point out that that was a revolution that was heavily backed um, and in some cases funded and supported through American NGOs by Western individuals. Um, also important to note, I believe the Victoria Newland, she, I believe, was the secretary of state at the time. Um, don't quote me on that, but she was essentially caught on phone there's a recording i think you can still find it on youtube and and wherever else but it's a legitimate recording of her speaking with another individual and they're essentially talking about how they're going to pick um who is going to be in certain positions within like the new ukrainian government so very influenced very supported by our government with president uh joe biden now being the vice president then I don't know the legality behind this kind of stuff, but overall, the accusation is essentially that foreign policy decisions that were made by Joe Biden directly benefited family member, his son, Hunter Biden, um, by getting him that position on the on the uh, board for, for Burisma. Um, and a lot of people pointed out, you know, like what, what fucking experience does Hunter Biden have in uh, Eastern European <laughs> uh, you know, resources? Um, uh -huh. And, you know, so that's just, I, th I think that's kind of like important to, to note as groundwork for you guys and gals who don't know about this. This is really where a lot of the muddy water comes in. Like, why did Hunter Biden get this job? Uh, the timing of him getting that job and what is the legality and rules behind essentially him benefiting directly from an action of foreign policy that that otherwise wouldn't have enabled him to get that job to begin with. Yeah, and, um, you know, sometime me and you have to get together and we should do a podcast on the Euromaidan. Um, obviously, that's that's going to like take a, a lot of research um, just because it's such a big topic and it's a con it is a controversial topic. So I think that's why we need to do a lot of research on it. But we should do that at some point. But, you know, when the Euromaidan happened, um, it, 
I mean, obviously changed the course of history for Ukraine, um, but it also really changed our relationship with Ukraine, yeah. right? Um, and the revolution ended in uh, late February 2014, right? Um, with the with the coup and, you know, the new government comes to power soon thereafter. And at this time, uh, Joe Biden... He he already played a large role in sort of our uh, foreign policy dealings during his time as vice president, right? He was kind of I don't know I, I I don't know if you want to say Obama's like go to right, but he he was kind of like delegated with um maybe being like his foreign policy liaison or or whatever, however you want to characterize it, right? He he played a large role in how we conducted our foreign policy at the time, and specifically he was actually uh. Obama's, you know, quote unquote, point man in Ukraine after the revolution happens, right? And we have this brand new relationship with Ukraine and we're trying to help them kind of, um, you know, pull away from Russia and sort of, you know, I mean, really just go about this new chapter in their history, right? Completely uncharted territory for them. Um, and then in April, Hunter Biden is named to the board of directors of Burisma. He was supposed to help with corporate governance practices uh, by, what is this guy's name, the owner of Burisma? His name is Mikola, uh, God, I'm going to butcher this name, Zolchevsky. Zolchevsky? Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he was, he's the founder and owner of Burisma, and he's the guy that appointed Hunter to the board. Um, you know, like you said before, Hunter had no previous experience with energy companies. He has he has served on the board of directors of multiple companies before. Um, I know oh, Amtrak. Sure, yeah. Amtrak was one of them, which I mean that's like a a nationalized company, right? But I know a couple of private other companies, right? He he is uh, he does have some pretty extensive experience, like with private business and stuff like that. Um, but again, no experience with energy companies. Did not speak Ukrainian. Didn't speak Russian. Um, so yeah, I mean, where did this guy come from, basically? Yeah, where did Hunter Biden come from? Um, <clears throat> very, very interesting. And uh, again, I think there are some sort of rules and legal guidelines that prevent stuff like this from happening. Um, granted, that being said, like we all know how United States government works, right? They will, in writing, this is probably illegal as fuck, um, but in writing, there's also probably at least 125 different loopholes that essentially legally allow this to happen. Um, you know, it's one of those things like where you dive deep into the legality of things in the U.S. code, like there's so many loopholes that uh, enable this kind of stuff to happen that this very well may not be legitimately uh, wrongdoing in the sense that they could uh, charge anyone for it. But you brought up a good point. That's that the investigation is still ongoing, um, which is, I, I just find interesting because there's, <laughs> they seem to be, they seem to move very quickly for some people and very slow for others. Mm -hmm. Um but maybe we can save that for another time. Yeah, I mean, just a quick note. I mean, that's definitely been an issue. Um, a couple nights ago, this guy, I think his name is Ellie Honig. He's like CNN's chief legal analyst, I think. And he's like a former assistant U.S. attorney, right? So this guy, I mean, he had like a pretty good career in uh, the DOJ. Um, and he basically came out and said, like, you know, why the hell is this thing like still going on? Like, why are they slow rolling this? Um, and just so you guys are aware, like this is, again, the David Weiss um, investigation I was talking about began in 2018. And the investigation is uh, actually over potential tax fraud um, and allegations that Hunter lied on federal forms that uh, he used to buy a handgun pretty much. Right. Um, but it, it's really not clear, like the scale of this investigation, because, again, it's taken over five years. And Ellie Honing's basically like, what the hell is going on? It's been five years like this investigation, if if it encompasses what we've been told by the media, um, should have only taken like five weeks. This is not a five year investigation. So what's going on?
Right, especially with them moving as quick as they are against uh, other people such as, you know, previous President Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the FBI is moving with rapid secession with them. Um, but, you know, like we just both said, they are really slow balling Hunter Biden's potential felonies, <laughs> um, multiple felonies. But that I think has created a socio-political rift kind of within our, our, our realm. And that's that people feel like there is a blatant double standard when it comes to justice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of emboldening some people. And, um, you know, to be fair, I think others are, are kind of okay with that double standard, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't create uh, great appearances, you know, and we're recording this the day after Trump was uh, arraigned. Right. And um, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into that on this one. Right. Cause I've already, I already talked about it on the news podcast. I'm doing something for lethal minds on it. Um, and maybe if you want me and you could do another podcast on it later, but yeah, a lot of people have this perception that uh, there is a double standard here, right? And whether that perception is accurate or not, the fact that so many people have that perception is an issue in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that whether the perception is right or wrong, um, the FBI doesn't do a good job at kind of proving those points wrong you know um mm-hmm. yeah but that's <laughs> we can get into that another day but back to back to like the main topic here um if you want why don't you go ahead and go into some of those things you highlighted that we talked about beforehand um specifically about like different organizations uh ngos and people tied to this whole thing Yeah, well, I guess we could start off talking about Burisma a little bit. Um, Again, that's a private holding company for a group of energy exploration and production companies. It's registered in Cyprus, but it's based in Kyiv, Ukraine. It's the second largest privately owned natural gas producer in Ukraine. It has operations, of course, in Ukraine, Germany, Mexico, Italy, Kazakhstan, and I believe in other countries as well. Um, it was founded and currently owned by this guy, Mikola Zlochevsky, and a 2012 investigation by the Anti-Corruption Action Center, that's a Ukrainian NGO, found that the real owner of Burisma is actually this guy named Ihor, uh, God, I'm going to butcher this name, Kolomoisky, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and basically it found that this guy had a controlling interest in the company, and we could get into him a little bit later, too. He he doesn't really, uh, that I'm aware, play into this story a whole lot, but we could just kind of give an idea of who this guy is, sure. right? And this company has had uh, multiple interesting figures on its board of directors. That includes uh, the former Polish president, um, Alexander... Kwasniewski. The Polish is so hard to pronounce, dude. It's like I can't read it at all. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he was he was on the board of directors, former Polish president. They also had uh the former senior advisor to John Kerry's presidential campaign, a guy named Devin Archer, um, and Hunter Biden, of course. And I think Devin Archer and Biden are are uh I don't know if they're business partners or 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 what. They're partners in in some sort of sense. I don't know if they worked at the same law firm or something like that. But they do have a relationship, right? They work closely together, or at least they did in the past. And that that's sort of what Burisma is. Um, and then going into uh, Zlochevsky, he is a Ukrainian businessman. He's an oligarch and he's a former politician. He served as the minister of ecology and natural resources from 2010 to 2012. He also served as the Deputy Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council from 2012 to 2014. And in 2012, Prosecutor General Viktor Pshonka began investigating Slochevsky for money laundering, tax evasion, and corruption. 
and that that investigation actually carried over to uh, Shoykin when he took office in 2015. Uh, currently, Ukrainian authorities accuse him of the embezzlement of government funds on a, quote, especially large scale, but he is currently living in Monaco. He also has citizenship in Cyprus, so uh, he's definitely not going to see a trial anytime soon, I reckon. <clears throat> uh, he's been a subject of multiple other investigations as well. He's He's another controversial figure, I guess you could say. Yeah, to say the least. So you got this Ehor guy as well, uh, Kolomoisky, and I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, he's a Ukrainian-born businessman. He's a former politician as well. He's a billionaire, multi-billionaire, and he was once thought to be Ukraine's most influential oligarch in Ukraine. He actually lost his Ukrainian citizenship in uh, 2022. He found a Privat Bank, which is the largest bank in Ukraine in terms of asset worth, before it was nationalized and taken over by the government, uh, I want to say last year. And then from 2014 to 2016, he was the governor of uh, Dnipro Petrovsk Oblast until he was dismissed by President Poroshenko. And in 2020, he was actually indicted in the U.S. in relation to large-scale bank fraud, and he was actually banned from entering the country in 2021. You got Victor Shoykin up next. We kind of talked about him a little bit. He was the prosecutor general from 2015 to 2016. He was removed from office in 2016 by the parliament. Again, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, again, the U.S., uh, the EU, IMF, the World Bank, they all claimed that he refused to fight corruption and uh, supported his removal from office. And uh, he also inherited that investigation into Solochevsky in 2015. Um, and you got Hunter Biden and Marisma. I mean, we pretty much went over most of this already, right? No previous experience with energy companies, didn't speak Ukrainian or Russian. Um, he was appointed by Slochevsky to help with corporate governance practices. Uh, at some points, he received as much as $50,000 a month uh, for his salary. <laughs> some in the Obama administration at the time expressed concern that this could create the appearance of a conflict of interest. This is at a time where Joe Biden is on like this major uh, international anti-corruption campaign, I guess. And this is also, again, the time where Joe Biden has like this major role in U.S. foreign policy that we spoke about before, specifically in Ukraine, where he was Obama's quote unquote point man at the time. And uh, Hunter left Burisma in 2019. You also got David Weiss. We talked about that already. Um, again, the investigation is still ongoing. Uh, in early May, I want to say it was like May 3rd, it was reported that he is nearing a decision on whether or not to charge Hunter. Again, it's June 14th right now, so we'll see how accurate that reporting is. Um, and that is pretty much it as far as our major players go. We already talked about the Trump impeachment, so that's right. where we're at. So the, the big thing with the investigation regarding Hunter Biden is um number one tax fraud and allegations that he lied on federal forms to buy a handgun uh which is kind of mildly ironic and comical um that you know you you would think that the group of people who claim to want to go hard on guns and gun reform um especially the president of the united states would maybe use this as an example um to lead by example yet it doesn't seem like nobody predominantly from the left really gives a fuck about the fact that hunter essentially committed a felony to get a gun that he shouldn't have had uh which is interesting but yeah and it's like uh i mean specifically what he did is there's a question on this forum that asks if you are an illegal user of, you know, narcotics or marijuana or like any other sort of controlled substance. And he answered no, which, you know, was untrue at the time, because at this time, right. at least he was addicted to crack cocaine, you know, at his own admission, right? He's very open about this. Um, and it's like, man, if me or if me or you or any of our listeners had done that, you know, we would have been charged years ago. Yeah. Most definitely. And in prison. Um, yeah. 
without a doubt we would be in prison. And this is just not like, even if he had not answered yet, which is another thing in itself, like the fact that he's admitted to these, these crimes and um, is not in prison is kind of, well, we know what it is, but um, it's just, it's just interesting because it, even if he didn't say admit to like what he had done, there's the amount of like video footage of him doing it. It's all like these are real videos and real pictures of him legitimately just smoking fucking crack while fucking hookers. Um, it's wild stuff. If you guys haven't checked out the actual contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, highly recommend. It's worth the entertainment value, like without a doubt. It's so bizarre, dude. Like, why would you take photos of this? It not just not just like one photo for memory's sake. I mean hundreds of photos with these prostitutes like god knows how many prostitutes um legitimately like crack pipe in his mouth um (laughs) with it's just crazy dude there's he did this is probably a good one for for the to the listeners too if you guys haven't listened to the c i think it was cbs CBS did like a comeback interview. With oh, no. dude, it is the craziest. I wish we could play it while like on live right now, but it is the craziest fucking thing. Hunter Biden is sitting there going, going, yeah, I mean, I would I would just kind of wake up every once in a while, like every five minutes uh, and just start smoking crack again. And um, I ended up smoking like more Parmesan cheese than I did. <laughs> crack because i was on my hands and knees on my floor looking for this and he he's just going into this and the best part about it is the the woman who's interviewing him is like this is the most softball shit i've ever seen in my life like she's laughing she's like oh my god like why are you like on the floor like were you just like looking for crack and it's just the like when you when you watch this your brain starts like flatlining because you're like if this was literally anybody else like anybody else if this was i would pay so much money to see in an alternate universe how this interview would go if they were sitting there with like eric trump you know or someone else um who who had a very similar yeah or even like even like jared kushner right because like oh my god i don't i don't know a whole lot about the guy you know what i mean but it's like dude they love going after jared kushner yeah yeah and he's it, like he's like satan to some of these people right and it's like if he had done anything like this i mean it would you wouldn't you wouldn't hear about it until the end of time or sorry you would keep hearing about it until the end of time right and even just even just like the drugs um the drugs in itself like the drug use you know how many people are in prison right now for petty drug related crimes but this dude can buy use maybe sell who knows uh you know crack cocaine religiously and you know so yeah i mean it's it's fairly ironic that uh the guy who authored the 1994 crime bill being joe biden when he was a senator i mean his son has uh admitted multiple times to you know being addicted to crack using crack um i mean taking photos of himself committing crimes like it, it's just mm. so it's so bizarre man i mean i don't i don't know if you guys know this but like he was kicked out of the navy for failing yeah. a drug test he popped for cocaine yeah when he was an ensign he was in the navy for like less than a year yeah that's right that's right yeah, it's like I, think, I, I actually know a guy who had the same thing happen to him, right? And he was just like a lowly Lance Corporal. And do you think he got off with a slap of the wrist? No, he went to jail. Yep. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah. Good time. <laughs> dude, when I, when I think Hunter Biden, dude, like I honestly, he just like makes me think of like a Vegas like strip club promoter. Yeah, like a strip club that's like yes. a couple, like a couple miles off the strip. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's in like East Vegas or something like that. Just like a complete fucking dump. 
to being a strip club promoter. Yeah, I mean, right now, this is this is going to be under investigation for a while, right? Like, House Republicans are really, like, focused in on this, especially now that Trump has been indicted, right? Like, you know it's just going to be a tit for tat, for sure. Um, this is going to be under investigation for a long time. Right. And we'll see how much it ties into uh, Weiss's investigation, too. I'm actually curious. I'm curious to see if, you know, we're ever going to learn about whether he's going to be charged or not soon. Um, Yeah, just right now, there's not a whole lot of details that have come out. Um, Chuck Grassley, he's a Republican senator. He actually came out a couple of days ago. And said that this FD-1023 that was shown by the FBI was actually redacted in multiple areas. But he says that an FBI whistleblower showed him the unredacted version. And in that version, according to him, this confidential source claims that the unnamed Burisma executive kept 17 audio recordings with the Bidens as an insurance policy. 15 of those recordings are with Hunter and two of those are with Joe. Um, and Senate Republicans have, you know, come out and like vowed that they will make those audio recordings public. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not holding my breath. I don't know how much is actually going to come of this. <clears throat> I noticed, I don't know if it's changed at all. I noticed, let's just pull it up actually in real time. I noticed the last time I checked, there was not a whole lot going on, like very few. I think the only outlets I saw, mainstream outlets at least that I saw pushing it were Fox, New York, uh, New York Post, maybe a few others. Um, so it wasn't a lot, and it looks like there's already been a few others that are trying to, I guess cover for them uh so newsweek says you know republican admits biden tapes might not be smoking gun washington post says the gop bribery allegations against biden remain transparently thin so it looks like they're already playing kind of cover ball for this and maybe they're right maybe there's nothing uh that that's that's like the, maybe there isn't a smoking gun per se but i do think it is one more thing that kind of points to issues with kind of within this realm uh and gives credence to some things people have been pointing out for years now yeah um i mean as far as that goes dude it's like oh well they may not be a smoking gun well it, maybe not or maybe they are like we have no idea i doubt i doubt these reporters have any idea right because not many people have seen this uh, 1023 document, right? Except for a few congressmen and obviously like the FBI personnel involved. Um, it's like, I mean, yeah, conversations with Hunter. I mean, that's, I mean, in theory, that's probably not a big deal, right? Because he's on the board of directors. Like, of course, you're going to have conversations with Hunter. Um, the two thing or the thing that really sparks my interest is the two alleged conversations with Joe. Because it's like, why would Joe Biden need to be on the phone with a Burisma executive, right? His son's like 53 years old. He's not like a little boy. It's not like your son is like working at the movie theater and you're on the phone with his boss. Right. You know? It is at least, uh, the last time I checked, it was at least two phone calls. There's 17 total, 15 of which were between the executive and Hunter Biden, and then two of which were between the executive and Joe Biden. So yeah. What was that? Uh, why exactly your point? You know, what what did they need to discuss? Why was that even a thing? Um, and again, I, I do think that is a small, of course, this is this could all just be passed off as circumstantial, but I do think that it, it points to some sort of larger family role in Hunter having that job. 
um and like more so some sort of money issue between this ukrainian company and the biden family as a whole yeah you know and i i talked about um how some in the obama administration thought that this would create the appearance of a conflict of interest and um i mean obviously obviously it did right again what what if what if the trump family had done this right let's say eric or, or don jr uh were a barisma executive when trump was president right like people would obviously look at that with some skepticism to say the least right it obviously creates a conflict of interest it's it's not a smart move or the appearance no. of a conflict of interest i should say no definitely not and so this this whole thing is is going to continue to embolden um, predominantly right-wing people who have very much opposed the the well, I want to say they oppose the war in Ukraine, but they oppose the United States support of Ukraine in in the Russo-Ukraine war. And this will um, much of that on the guys that they feel like the war is really happening because of Joe Biden in his family and so this is just kind of like confirming to them that this this does run deeper that, that this war is happening based solely on you know um joe biden his family's political business deals or whatever obviously yeah, I mean, you know, it just plays into this broader theme where i mean you always oppose what the other side does Right. Joe Biden yeah. is like really thrown his full weight into the war, obviously. And, um, you know, a lot of Republicans uh, oppose that because yeah, Joe Biden's a Democrat. Again, that's that's a way it goes uh, with our country's politics. Right. You always oppose what the other side is doing, no matter what. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And, you know, I don't know. It's uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll say this much. I, I'm not. I think it's interesting, and I think that there's certainly something there, especially considering the phone call between Joe Biden and the executive. What all is actually going to be uncovered kind of remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not holding my breath because I think, you know, we already talked about it. The FBI has been doing their investigation on Hunter for, what, going on five years now. So mm -hmm. are they actually going to – is this actually going to change anything? Probably not, just based on the FBI's track record. Um, and maybe are these allegations kind of being inflated by the GOP for the sake of political warfare? Yeah, probably. Some of it, maybe. Who knows? Maybe not. But I'll just say from a personal opinion, I don't, I'm not holding my breath that anything is really going to come of this in terms of accountability or legal accountability, right? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this thing is this thing is going to take forever. Right. Um, I fully expect these investigations to go on for, I mean, months, months, if not over a year. Right. That's just the the nature of the beast. These things always take forever. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people testifying in front of Congress and, and stuff like that. Um, actually looking here i guess two days ago the house subpoenaed this guy that they subpoenaed devin archer actually who i talked about a little bit earlier him and him yeah. and hunter are business partners or former business partners right so they subpoenaed him uh saying that they want him to sit for a deposition this week actually um so It'll be interesting to see if anything comes of that. Of course, we'll keep you guys up to date in that regard. They said that uh, basically they want to ask him about the Biden family's business dealings in Ukraine, Russia, and China, and other places, apparently. Um, so that will be interesting. Again, this is going to go on forever, um, especially because... Again, you have Trump just getting indicted last week, so it's going to create this like tit for tat. Um, I don't want to get into the Trump thing too much because, again, maybe we could do that on another podcast. I think that would be good. Um, yeah. But it's like it it is going to set a precedent for 
you know, political opposition and their families being targeted for investigations. That that's how things are going to be from now on. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't I don't think I am. You know, that's once a president is set, that's it. Um, and Biden, Biden, or sorry, not Biden, Trump already came out yesterday and said that if he wins in 24, like he's immediately appointing a special counsel to go after the Biden family. Right. So that's right. just going to be how things are. Yeah. Uh, I'd be, I'd be curious to know, do you think, you know, Trump just got arrested the other day. Do you think he's actually still going to run in 2024? I do. Yeah. There's nothing that bars him from running. Um, some people have like kind of speculated that, well, maybe Trump doesn't actually want to run, right? He just like wants the attention, right? People kind of said the same thing in 2016, but, uh, you know, we know what yeah. happened. Um, I do think he's going to continue to run, at least in the primary. As to whether he'll win the primary or not, you know, it remains to be seen. He is still like the leading candidate by far. The indictment has, uh, you know, really bumped up his poll numbers. Um, in a way that I think the New York indictment didn't, I didn't really think he had a lot uh, to gain politically from that. Some, right? I mean, it did bump his poll numbers up a little bit, uh, but I think this federal indictment is a is a different beast completely, right? I mean, now he's actually he could potentially be facing federal prison time, um, you know, which will be a first for a former U.S. president in history. And you know, yeah. we could. T- theoretically get to a point where you know he's elected in 2024 when he's in the middle of this case or maybe even like sitting in a prison cell you know again there's nothing that bars him from running as president when he's going through this indictment um who who ran as president i think it was like upton sinclair in the early 1900s he ran as a, a socialist president while he was actually in prison for being a socialist Right. So it's it's incredibly possible. Um, and, you know, given the uh, timeline we live in, I I would not rule it out. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. It'll be interesting to see what happens from this whole Trump arraignment and if anything, anything legal actually comes from it. Um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, when he left office, I would I would talk to people, Um, you know, one of my buddies at work, I would talk to him. He he hates Trump. Right. Really? And we, <laughs> yeah, we would like see because we have like CNN up uh, up on like this big screen at work. Right? Yeah, because we need to like pay attention to the news. And, uh, you know, he'd, oh, they're going to get him whenever they would like talk about investigation. I'm like it's it's not going to happen, man. I yeah. He's he's not going to get charged with anything. That's just like if you're going to charge a former U.S. president with a crime, like it's it's got to be serious because that, again, is going to set a precedent forever. Like that will change the course of history for the country. Um, And for that reason, like I I thought that these investigations were kind of just going to run their course and uh, really go nowhere. But, you know, here I am. I was very wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, were we'll see what happens. We were so wrong. <laughs> um, man, what a wild time to be alive, dude. <laughs> uh, it is it definitely first is. time because first time a, a president has even faced federal charges, far less been actually charged, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, there are still two other investigations going on. Um, I know they don't get talked about a whole lot, but just so you guys are aware, uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel who basically investigated Trump for like the storage of these classified documents that he just got indicted for. He's also investigating him for his role in January 6th, right, and seeing whether he like obstructed justice Um in relation to those events. And then I want to say in Fulton County in Georgia, that DA is investigating him for uh, basically his like alleged role in trying to overturn the election results in Georgia. Um, And a a lot of uh, political commentators seem to think that he is going to get charged in that case. And I'm, I'm kind of inclined inclined to lean that way especially since new york is a one that kind of uh they were the first to do it right you don't 
in the regards of charging a former president with a crime, you don't want to be the first to do it. But once somebody kind of breaks that seal, it's like open season. The way I look at it, right? Um, so I think Fulton County is definitely going to indict him. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Jack Smith in the January 6th. I don't know whenever we'll hear something about that. That could go on for a while as well. But yeah, interesting times. Yeah, more ways than one. I think, um, you know, I almost want to think that this is kind of emboldening his base. And uh, they're, they're just going to keep digging in, dude. Uh, no matter what happens, I think I think the people that really support him are just going to keep digging in and digging in. And uh, it really, you know, whether right or wrong, I think it really kind of signals to these people that there is a political judicial bias that this man is uh, being targeted and is under attack by the establishment and therefore mm -hmm. kind of confirms and validates all the other things that Donald Trump says. Um, whether I think they're all right or not, or whether I think they're all wrong, whatever is completely irrelevant, but I think it does kind of make that particular base feel like everything therefore is right and that there is a specific targeted attack against him by the establishment you know yeah his his base is absolutely fired up i i mean again that's that's just kind of how they've always been right his his supporters are are loyal right his diehard supporters of which there are many um and his again, his poll numbers have been doing great since he was indicted. Um, and I mean, he's he's always kind of talked about how the establishment has has been going after him hard, really, since like 2015. And his big thing is, well, they're not like I know these people, right? I'm a billionaire. I was friends with these people. We went to you know fundraising dinners and and you know whatever um they don't hate me they're going after me because they hate you right right <laughs> that that's always been his pitch ever since 2015 um and i think this indictment has like really uh emboldened emboldened his base and um for those people that are like sympathetic to that argument um i mean in their eyes like Trump is completely justified in, in whatever he says. Yeah, 100%. 100%. This does, uh, this does certainly make you wonder how 2024 is going to go. Oof, man, I, God, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Neither am I. It's like, I, yeah, I, I pay like, I pay a lot of attention to this stuff just because I'm like, I'm interested in it, you know, um, but it's like, I don't want to get into it too much just because it like you run the risk of pissing off like so many people. That's why I like really try and um, not do a whole lot of like political stuff like here on the podcast on like social media, but it's like some sometimes like things happen like you just have to cover, right? That's like crazy. the Trump indictment, you have to cover that. Um, yeah. these allegations on Joe Biden, like I have to cover that, you know what I mean? Cause they're pretty big allegations. Yeah. The thing with social media, man, is like, you're going to piss off everyone no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, th this just rings true every time when we, you know, when we post about Donald Trump doing something, uh, it's everyone's mad at us for that when we post about joe biden doing something everyone's mad at us for that um why'd you turn off your comments i thought yeah, you were yeah. about free speech yeah 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 <laughs> since since you're bringing it up might as well might as well hit that so ladies and gentlemen um you know we appreciate the support for the page and and also those who are listening to the podcast but you know myself on behalf of the rest of the team here, here, here's the thing with the whole denying free speech censorship. It's not censorship. Okay. And here's why. Let's use an, an analogy, right? If you're in your house, right? And it's your house and you welcome other people over, but someone who comes over starts wilding out and maybe insults your mother or whatever, you have the right to remove that person from the house 
if they're saying crazy things, right? That's not denying them free speech. They can still go out into the street, into the neighborhood, down to the city, wherever, and continue to say that, right? So nobody's denying you free speech. You can still go on your page and on the platform and say whatever you want on your story or your posts or anyone else's posts as the comments on. So your free speech is not being diminished at all. The reason why sometimes the comments get turned off, most of the, most of the time it's because of some sort of post regarding a service member who's died and specifically American volunteers who are prior, who are, you know, American veterans, prior service members who are fighting in Ukraine. So that was when the comments really started getting turned off because mm -hmm. you would have, we would have American veterans killed and we make a post about it. And now here, here, here's the thing. You can disagree with the United States official policy and specific things that may have led to this war while also showing basic empathy to people in Ukraine and respecting the decisions of individuals who are also your your fellow citizens and in a lot of cases fellow veterans like that that's just that's a thing like you can you can vehemently disagree with Joe Biden his policies you can fucking hate him to the end of the earth while still showing the most basic rudimentary third grade level empathy to people who are actively being bombed and having you know an invading force occupy their land like it, it it's entirely possible to do both so when we have comments and not just one or two but we're talking dozens of comments of people who I don't know why, like none of none of us know why they're so emotional, but they just engage in rage and outrage comments, hissing on the graves of these guys who went and, you know, on their own conviction, they felt the need to go and fight for the sovereignty of a nation. I don't know. Some idiots just love making noise on social media like they need something to be pissed off about right yeah yeah and that's the thing that's the thing like that's kind of like to the point i was trying to make with you know the, the emotional comments it's like no one's denying you free speech man the the, the, the the difference here is like you could go back to your own page and say what you want and post like your free speech is still there the difference is you want an audience and you're mad that you're not getting an audience and that's what it comes down to is people are mad because they can't have an audience and go out there and say a bunch of crazy shit with the intent of pissing people off. So just keep that in mind. Like I doubt anybody actually listening to this is are any of these people, but if you are, just take some time to think about that and try to look at things in a more objective and nuanced manner rather than like, someone went and fought and died in ukraine clearly they're a globalist united nations soros epstein shill or whatever the fuck it's so stupid dude like why do you have to comment oh you're a mercenary you're fighting for the globalists like okay congratulations dude what do you get from that like yeah this person's dead just let them just let them rest in peace, man. Why do you feel yeah. the need to come at this dumb shit? Yeah. Post? Yeah. What do you gain from stuff. this? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think some of it's just like people are very angry, you know, like in, in the political sphere, I think, I think so many people are just so, so angry and they just resort to lashing out in the most wild manner uh just because to like express that anger you know and express their disapproval with certain things um and then the crazy thing is the crazy thing is like the most emotional fucking people about this war are ironically americans who are the least connected to it and least affected by it yeah like it and this this, this is something that just rings true 
throughout any conflict like americans are jumping up and down like fucking monkeys at a zoo like so consumed with emotion about about a conflict that's thousands of miles away and barely even affects them um i don't know sometimes it just makes my head hurt you know and then there's like there's the next step which is get ready for this one the cia is behind everything um <laughs> here here's here's the thing ladies and gentlemen the central intelligence agency is not that big number one number two they're not that competent and their documented history proves that yeah and number three if you knew anyone that was in the cia you would know the majority of those dudes are like college educated nerds that were recruited immediately out of college like yale harvard uh, columbia uh georgetown like these are like desk jockey nerds like 90 plus percent of them no shame or disrespect i'm just like true truly like so much of the cia is just data collection and 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 uh analysis yeah. like going over three oh going over things over and over so many of these people are desk jockeys that will never ever at any point like leave a fucking embassy in some sort of paramilitary manner um even like the majority of the on the ground people are not engaged in paramilitary operations uh it, it's just not like so anytime like you know you me or anyone else posts anything about anything happening anywhere and like all the comments are me like oh cia has been busy like that's just <laughs> bro they're on lunch break dude like they don't even know what the fuck is going on um yeah they're not that competent no way no way i'm i'm, I'm not saying that that it, you know it's like to say things. the same guys that took 10 years to find bin laden Found Bro, him, let him escape, and then took another 10 years to find him. They are not that competent. Exactly. Let, let's not forget these are the same people that, that it took them 20 years to realize that different ethnic groups in Afghanistan don't fuck with each other. Yeah. It, it took them 20 years to realize that. Again, these uh, so many of these guys just sit behind computer screens um, and just like look over stuff over and over and over and over and over again. And it kind of, it kind of like this overemphasis on the CIA being responsible for everything kind of reeks of this like American centricism where we think that the whole world and everything that happens anywhere at any time is a direct result of us. The Iranian people in no way, shape or form are competent enough to organize their own protests. This is obviously a CIA backed organized and controlled event. Like it's just crazy to think that like nothing in the world would ever happen without you is a very selfish way to look at the world. And it's also a very uneducated way to look at the world because uh reality check, we're not the only motherfuckers with an intelligence agency. Yeah. That's also why a lot of people hate us, honestly. Because America thinks, like, I mean, the world revolves around us, right? We, if anything happens in the world, if somebody so much has breathed, it's because of the United States. Like, no, that's, people have their own agency. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 100%. 100%. Anyway, sorry for kind of turning that into a rant, but. Ah, you know, it's all right. It's what we do. It is what we do. Maybe, maybe the people will love it. Maybe the people will love the rants. They just want to hear, like, unhinged, analyzed provisions just going off the charts. Yeah, well, I guess uh, when this gets released and we see the the uh, download numbers, that will be our answer. Yeah, should, should we just cut all that out? <laughs> no, honestly, I think we should keep it because, I mean, this is kind of, honestly, this is like a common theme for us. And that's also like our our like most downloaded episodes. Like the, the one we did on the spy balloon, that's... Yeah, like our most listened to episode by far. I and love that. I think we did a lot of uh, a lot of ranting on that one. I love that. Sometimes you have to, man. Hey, here's the thing, guys. Like, don't take any of this personal. Um, this really is not 
I know some people are going to listen to this and think I'm talking about them. Here's the thing. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Like nobody is coming to mind when I'm talking about these things. It's just sometimes it gets a little wild and and a little a little too wild. And that's why the comments are turned off sometimes. And guys, we know the CIA is responsible for fucked up things historically. Um, I'm not at all saying they're not doing fucked up things now. But let's not attribute and credit everything that happens anywhere at any time to them. Um, you know, because it's just it's just not possible. And there's a there's other players in the world, you know, there's other intelligence agencies, there's other private groups, there's individuals, there's all kinds of things going on in the world that honestly, some dude the CIA probably like wakes up to and is like, fuck, I I completely failed to do my job and and even see this coming so just keep that in mind well shit dude i think that's uh that's pretty much all i got what about you sweet well ladies and gentlemen um thanks for tuning in thanks for listening feel free to send us your criticism or critiques and our dms um there's any particular topics you guys want to hear about by all means let us know and uh analyze i appreciate you having me on again yeah yeah i appreciate you coming on man send us uh feel free to send us any feedback you guys have we uh appreciate it all take it all into account i actually do have a few podcast topics that i've gotten that i could go over with you uh online whenever we want to get together and or offline whenever we want to get together and uh, see what we want to do next but uh yeah feel free to again send that feedback our way whatever uh topics you guys want to hear about we'll take it all into account um thank you for listening all right see you guys thank you guys for listening again i really hope you enjoyed that episode it feels good to be back doing podcasts again and hopefully me and northern can start cranking more of these out for you guys um, again, all your support really means a lot to me. You could find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on all the apps. You could find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That's all one word. You could also find us on Telegram at Analyze and Educate. It's the and symbol, not and spelled out. Also, again, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Analyze Educate or at ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Analyze Educate. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on whatever app you use to listen to this podcast. That also helps support us immensely. And that is all I have for you guys. We will see you soon.